We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the True Faith Radio Show, uh, live on Radio Northumberland. Thanks for tuning in. Joined this week, I'm Alex Hurst, joined by, in the studio, Andrew Bollensai, Campbell and Ben Wade, and we're going to look ahead to Newcastle United's trip to Chelsea, which is the last game for nearly three weeks. Talk about a couple of other football things in the news, but first of all, we're, we're really, really happy to be delighted by two fantastic guests this week. First of all, on the line, I'm joined by editor of True Faith, uh, Michael Martin. Hello, Michael. Hello there, lads. How are you? We're very well. Looking forward to, to hearing what you've got to say. And do you want to introduce our Chelsea guest? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're um, we're privileged to have Mark Willits on tonight. Who um, I think I can say without um, fear of contradiction from anyone that knows Mark is a, a really great guy. I don't know why he supports Chelsea. He's completely out of place at Stamford Bridge on match days. Um, so welcome, welcome to the show, Mark. Well, great introduction and uh, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just by way of background, so our listeners kind of know about you, Mark. Um, I know you've been a, um, a key member of the Chelsea Pitch Owners Organisation. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I think, uh, as most people remember, a few years back, um, uh, Roman Abramovich wrote to all the shareholders uh, of Chelsea Pitch uh, saying that he um, proposed to buy us out um, and offered us um, some money for the shares, which was exactly the same as what we had paid for them, uh, with the uh, proviso that we might get our name on a brick at the next stadium that he decided to build. Um, one of the one of the best things, I know Ken Bates has got a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of people that don't really sort of see eye to eye with in the football world, but at the time before he left... Uh, he set up the pitch owners um, organisation to stop um, any anybody from basically moving Stamford Bridge, um, which is a great idea because it meant that we could all have shares which weren't you know sellable on the uh, any stock exchange or anything. We were stuck with them for life, but uh, proved to be a very very good investment um, when we managed um, by voting to stop um, probably one of the world's richest men from getting something he wanted to buy, uh, thus keeping us at Stamford Bridge. And we've now got plans to uh, expand Stamford Bridge um, and we'll be staying uh, on the same pitch that we've had since uh, since we were formed back in 1904. Well, I think that's a fantastic achievement and it just shows what supporters coming together can do, you know. So quite quite a, a good, a, a good a feel-good story, that as well, Mark, as well. And, and you're a regular fanzine contributor yourself, aren't you? 
Uh, I used, used to write articles for um, CFC UK, um, wrote less in, uh, in last uh, few years, basically due to the fact that I think uh, a lot of people that know me will feel that I'm a little bit of a negative uh, Chelsea fan. I don't see it that way. Um, you know, when you choose a club that you support and that you love, uh, clubs for life, um, not just uh, for a passing fad, um, but uh, I've not been in agreement with a lot of um, things that the club has done over the years since uh, Abramovich took over. Um, yeah, it's great to win trophies, but it's at, in my view, uh, it's at the cost of the soul of your club, and I think that's what a lot of Manchester City fans are beginning to realise now. Well, what do you mean by that, Mark? Because obviously, you know, we're Newcastle supporters, and and we we look feel as though we've got our noses pressed up against the window at the moment, and that there's no way we can compete with the the likes of Sheikh Mansur and. Uh, Roman Abramovich, etc. So, you know, it's it's interesting because there's a a lot of triumphalism when we go to those places and we're routinely kind of beaten. So it's it's a it's a strange one to hear a, a, a lad such as yourself talking about um, how it maybe isn't as good as it seems. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, winning trophies is uh, is all important. It's why we all go to football. We want to win games at the end of the day, um, but. Uh, I personally draw a line um, when, uh, in my particular view, um, a football club um, you know, stops being a club. Now, if you look up the definition of a club, it's something that has members. And it's something that actually um, has those members as the club. It's not something where you have an owner and then some, some, some members. It's basically um, something that we should all be part of. And I think not just uh, Chelsea, but throughout the Premier League, and indeed uh, going right down to the lower leagues, uh, you have to go quite low down now to, I think, get that sort of same club feeling that we certainly all had um, back in the uh, 80, early 80s when I started going. Um, and you, you hear a lot of supporters who say, it, you know, you talk about sort of being beaten week in, week out. Of course, um, all the Newcastle fans will remember the 80s well, um, you know, with half-full stadiums, uh, but still having certainly Newcastle and Chelsea, some of the biggest away followings. And I'm sure a lot of lads that are listening um, or that go uh, still go week in, week out to Newcastle will remember those days with fondness and not necessarily losing the games, which obviously, um, you know, was quite traumatic at the time, but um, but certainly the feeling of being part of something and part of a club, which you know you just don't get to, in my view now. A lot of people say to me it's growing up and that things are never the same when you grow up, but I think it's a bit deeper than that. And certainly I would defy sort of um, many sort of Premiership fans who were around in the 80s to turn around and say that you know they feel that they're still as much a part of the club now as they were back in those days. I think that's a, an excellent point because, I mean, speaking personally, I've never felt as alienated from Newcastle United as I do right now, and and that alienation almost grows daily. But um, I think you're, you're you're singing to the choir with your thoughts about fan ownership there as well, Mark, because um, you know I think I think there's a growing um, realization amongst all Premier League fans, particularly a club like Newcastle, that that support us having a, a much greater say in the running of their clubs. Is uh, is the only way that will, that clubs will actually be saved from themselves? But you mentioned the 1980s there, uh, Mark, and I know you're about the same same vintage as me. Um, and you've been coming to Newcastle for quite a long time now for in, yeah. for various games, and you've got a you've got a big connection with uh, with Newcastle, haven't you? Yeah, indeed. Uh, my mum was uh, born in Newcastle. Uh, my grand lived on the Durham Road. 
uh, just coming into Gateshead. Um, got family still in uh, Lobley Hill and Lowfell. Uh, remember fond memories of when I was a kid growing up uh, in Saltwell Park, feeding the ducks and going on the pedlows. Um, it's always uh, had a place in my heart as, a, as, as an area. And um, was it going to be Newcastle? Well, it's a bit far to go, but uh, my dad was from Hertfordshire, strong Chelsea heartland. Um, and um, in some ways, uh, I'm sort of glad that I chose Chelsea. Um, you know, the, it was easier to get to games and, uh, you know, when I was growing up. Um, but uh, always, always had a, a tremendous soft spot for, for Newcastle because, uh, you know, half of my roots are, are from there and obviously still there now. And you're always very welcome up here as well, Mark. But um, you showed me a photograph the other night of your kind of your shrine to Chelsea in England. Uh, but there was a there was an exception on the wall of your of your of your. Of your you um, what, I, I, I hope I hope that some of the uh, people that know me from the, from uh, from Chelsea aren't listening. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, my um, I managed when we moved uh, into this house about ten years ago. I, I bought a house with a spare room, not for any other reason than to to build a, a sort of miniature museum. It's not particularly good, but it's everything that uh, that means something to me. And um, it's mainly uh, Chelsea and uh, England, a lot of memorabilia from games that I went to, 66, which my dad went to, uh, all the games at Wembley. And uh, when my son was born, uh, my cousin, uh, Colin, um, kindly uh, got Alan Shearer to sign one of his last shirts that he wore um, to give to my son James with a view to try to get him to become a Newcastle fan um, and as an England fan as well I mean Alan Shearer to me is uh, certainly one of the best strikers that I've ever seen and, and even when you think about the Premiership um, it was in its fairly early days there you know it, it was absolutely brilliant to see him uh, see him play week in week out and and those sorts of players just don't seem to emerge uh, nowadays. So on the wall is a framed uh, number nine shirt um, with the gold writing. Um, and uh, as I say, we'll see what happens. My son's nine now, hasn't really sort of um, taken to either side yet. Although when he said that he was going to support Liverpool, I explained he'd have to go and live with his nanny and granddad um, because he couldn't <laughs> live under the same roof. Um, so he quickly forgot about that. But uh, we'll see as he grows up. I hope that he, hope he respects both teams because they're the only two teams apart from England that I respect. Yeah, well, well, I, I, I think I know which way that ball's going to bounce, uh, Mark. But um, I mean, just bringing, just, just, just bringing it up to uh, up to date. I mean, um, you know, we both started uh, really cutting our teeth as fans in the in the eighties as young men. But um, you know, um, uh, we were in the second division in those in those days in old money and had some titanic struggles. But um, and when we did get in the first division. We were kind of not far away from the positions we're in now. Now, for Newcastle, it's not that surprising we're in this position because it's the accumulation of a lot of errors and lack of investment over the years. But Chelsea were the blinking champions last year. How are, how are you in this place this year? Um, well, I've got to be careful what I say, but um, uh, because there's certain things that haven't come out yet. Um, that I'm sure will do, which will um, which will then put some clarity uh, on what exactly went wrong. Um, certainly, I think I can go as far as to say, in my opinion, um, it was um, things that happened within the club, within the players, um, in the close season and the beginning of the season, um, that led to a complete breakdown um, in uh, in basically cooperation and communication um, between the management and the players. Um, it was, I mean, it was widely sort of accepted um, that um, one of the press conferences that Mourinho did. Um, when asked what was going wrong, um, you know, he did one of his classic stares and says, one day I'll tell you, 
um, but not just now. So it will come out. Um, I don't know when, but uh, and as I say, I've got to be careful what I say. Um, I think uh, we've intimated between the pair of us what we think went uh, went wrong. But um, but yeah, it's certainly certainly something to do with characters um, and individuals uh, rather than um, anything else. I think, and it just goes to show how very finely balanced the players are now um, as to you know being great footballers uh, working together and working with management for one season and how that can go so dreadfully wrong um, if you bring in perhaps a little bit of complacency um, and some off the field incidents um, that uh, that split the camp yeah I mean the last thing we was we were talking about was kind of um, I was talking about Mourinho as if he was going to be like an Alex Ferguson figure at Man United and build a and build a dynasty. And to be honest, I think I was fully expecting that to happen. Everything looked like it was in place for Chelsea. But here we are a year later expecting Mourinho to take over at Manchester United. So how disappointed are you that that, uh, Mourinho is no longer the Chelsea manager? Uh, For me and for a few others, um, when he came back... um, you know, we were we weren't really uh, for that, um, and the simple reason being not not uh, taking Mourinho as an individual, but just in general um, across life. I think it's always important um, to move forward uh, and never to look back. And we've seen so many examples where people have tried to recreate the past, um, and it just doesn't work. Um, a bit like when you go on holiday to the same place because it was so good the year before, and it's never as good. Um, yeah. And I think that with with Mourinho, I think I, I wrote uh, uh, you know on uh, on the website at True Faith, um, fully expecting me probably to say um, yes, uh, I think he will build a dynasty, and that's of course what we all would have absolutely loved more than anything. Yeah. Um, but I did say that uh, with our history, um, he'd be lucky to last a year, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he did last a, a year, but not much longer. And uh, and I don't see that changing. It hasn't changed since Abramovich took over. Um, you know, I fully fully feel that uh, you know we're going to go through managers <clears throat> um, at a rate of knots, and I think that um, you know if you, I mean, I heard this week that uh, Mido, um, the ex Tottenham player, was managing an, an Egyptian side, uh, and he had four wins and a draw, then lost two nil, and was out of the ground before uh, the players had got changed uh, to get a new manager in. And whilst that's laughable and, uh, and quite silly, I can see that. We're getting to that sort of situation now where you, you can't lose more than a handful of games before um, those in charge are just looking for somebody else. And I think that's the way we're going. Yeah, yeah. And of course, yeah, you've lost some kind of iconic Chelsea figures in the last um, seasons, the likes of Drogba and Lampard. And, and next up, Terry, do you, do you get the feeling that there's something really big has to change now with Chelsea? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if you look at John Terry came through the youth, uh, Frank Lampard came obviously from West Ham and uh, you know was was coached to, to always being a brilliant player. Um, it, it's interesting the Frank Lampard situation because uh, when he came, um, obviously didn't cost cost that much money even at the time, um, but was an intelligent man um, and listened to the coaches and really wanted to improve his game. Um, and as an individual, um, although we know that he's obviously very high on the mental scoring and he's got huge amount of intelligence as an individual he worked hard to make himself uh, probably one of the best midfielders uh, in the world um, and we benefited from that um, what I find hard to believe now is is why we can't do that with more players and why more players don't actually want to put the time in and listen to the coaches um, I mean we've got 33 players out on loan this season um, some of them obviously better than others but some very very good youngsters 
Um, and it pains me that we're not able, or don't appear to be able, to bring young players through. I think it's the same at a lot of clubs, um, you know, because we could have, in that 33, we could have the next Deli Alley, um, who, to me, has been, you know, one of the most sparking sensations of the season at Tottenham. Um, and uh, I just think it's it's always got to be a quick fix. Money can buy everything. And that model, very quickly, um, seems to be um, the model that's going out the window with, uh, obviously, the uh, uh, ascension of Leicester City from relegation to potentially winning the league. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, and ob- and obviously, with um, you've got a lad at Chelsea, uh, Loic Remy, who we hoped that we well, I, I was praying that we'd get um, in some kind of deal in in January, but it doesn't look like uh, that was ever going to be the case. And he he looks like he's off to China now. What 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 kind of impact has he had when he's been at Chelsea? Um, been good off the bench, but 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 like a lot of players that we bring in, um, it's never long term. And I think that the players know that who join Chelsea now. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have your Ivanoviches um, and your Mikels um, and, you know, your Terrys and uh, such like. And obviously Courtois' place is, is pretty much assured. Um, but um, a lot of the players that we bring in, um, they're not given the time. They're not given uh, the games. Um, if they don't immediately start to perform, um, then they're sidelined pretty quickly. And you know, you, you just have to look at how Hazard, um, you know, has changed tremendously to the point where he'll probably go um, uh, and leave. And you think, well, we should be able to, as a club, um, be able to manage these players and make them better. But what we seem to be doing is bringing players in. An actual fact, we've got a really, really bad back catalogue of making them worse at Chelsea. And, you know, Diego Costa is a classic example. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, another example. Um, you know, players who come in at the peak of their game, well, we should be making them better. They seem to get worse. And I think um, that Remy never really has had the game, the game time uh, week in, week out. Yeah, I think he's going to leave English football and he's just kind of passed through. He's never really committed to one club. He's been always looking for something else when he's been somewhere, you know. Um, QPR, he was there, but he was always talking about going somewhere else. Then he came to us on loan and now then he's at Chelsea and now he's expecting to go to China. But never mind about him. Um, Mark, Mark, what I mean, in terms of um, how Newcastle are perceived around the country, obviously we get very um, uptight about um, this tag that we seem to have of unreasonable expectations, deluded Geordies and all that kind of stuff. What, what's your what's your take on take on it? As somebody who knows Newcastle probably better than, than most uh, people from London, um, but also who benefits from um, some distance. What's what's your view? What's your take on on the world of Newcastle United? Um, well, I think I think that uh, I think you've got the media to blame for that. I'm not talking about your local media, but certainly um, I think the way Sky portrays um, Newcastle United isn't isn't accurate. Never has been. Um, they're, they're they're very quick to show extended um, footage of um, the you know recent well couple of seasons ago the Sunderland clashes and the, and the crowd crashes etc. And they're very quick to to show. You know, a couple of youngsters uh, with uh, a taxi for Ashley uh, on their mum's best white sheet, with running out of space to write the Ashley, um, which is all then cramped up in the in the right hand mm. side of the banner. And they zoom in as if it's sort of a huge. Um, you know, the whole of Newcastle has come out for that protest, and you know full well it's probably about twenty, thirty people at that type of uh, reflex um, protest. 
Um, and I think that that, that over, over time, along with, uh, obviously, um, you know, the, the, the sort of siege mentality that I think uh, is sometimes wrongly portrayed in Newcastle, um, that it gives people that impression um, that everybody's uh, got a huge beer gut, uh, goes everywhere in a football shirt, even to work, um, and uh, doesn't really, you know, appreciate proper football. But I think that that's probably the media, the way media want people to see um, Geordie supporters. But um, I think they're quite fondly regarded, uh, certainly for the, from the away support, certainly people our age will remember um, the away support really making atmospheres in the past. Um, and in addition to that, I think that, um, you know, the Geordie fans always um, seem to be quite happy, quite engaging um, and, you know, very talkative. I mean, we've walked up Wembley Way with you guys in a semi a few years back and um, it was good banter. Um, whenever we've walked up there with the likes of Liverpool or Manchester United, it's, it can turn quite nasty quite quickly. Um, so I think that those that, that those that really, really know about football, I think uh, appreciate a decent bunch of lads. And I think that sometimes that's misinterpreted by Geordies um, who think that everybody has that opinion of them and I don't think that's true. Thanks, Mark. Mark, that's great. Alex, do you want to come in? Is there anything you want to ask? <clears throat> no, I think i uh, just echo what you've just said there. Make that everything Mark says makes complete sense. Um, Mark, are there any particular... I'm sure there are many happy memories you've got. Are there any particular memories you've got of Newcastle United, Chen, uh, Chelsea encounters down the years? Yeah, plenty. Um, one one time I remember driving up um, on a midweek evening for the FA, FA Cup replay, um, thinking uh, I've got to go to work in the morning, um, and then it going to um, extra time and penalties um, in the days of Fultz St James's, um, and watching uh, it was Peter Beardsley from memory um, kick it uh, way over the crossbar, um, getting in the car about half past twelve and just pulling out of the city centre. Um, having to go to work uh, the mm. next day, um, that was a great memory because I didn't, didn't expect to win then. I think uh, we won a few clubs that actually managed to get a result as a changes part. Um, plenty of uh, plenty of decent banter. Um, most of the time when I travelled up there in the uh, in the sort of eighties and nineties, it was always uh, to see see us lose. I think we had a really really bad run of results up there. Um, but uh, always enjoyed coming up there. Um, preferred being in the Sir John Hall lower than. Um, where uh, where such Chelsea fans are, or the way fans are put now, which is basically vertigo. Uh, when you've had a good drink, it's uh, it's not easy to <laughs> save them up there. But I guess that's uh, part of the plan. Yeah, fair enough, Michael. Thanks very much, Mark. The same question applies to you. Thanks very much, Mark. Thanks very much for you're, your time. You're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, and we'll and anybody who's travelling down, we'll have a good game. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, Thanks very much for that, Mark. Thanks, Cheers, Mark. Right, cheers. Yeah. Bye. 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 Well, that was absolutely brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mark spoke very, very well. And it leads us uh, very nicely into the preview of this weekend's game. So, joined, as I said at the start of the show, by Bolland, Sai, belatedly, and Ben. You didn't have to tell him I was late. Just start speaking. <laughs> You're miles away from the microphone. You need to get much closer. <laughs> um, um, all right, then. Th- this is the part of the show where... Uh, it just gets ridiculous, obviously. Yeah. Had well, some sensible people. The high quality uh, conversation just had gone out the window. Right, go on then. Bolland, I'll start with you. Did Newcastle have a chance of getting a result tomorrow? Um, and if so, why? And if not, why not? Why not? I think we've taken the most points. The most points from Chelsea over the last five seasons, haven't we? I think it's 13, 13 points we've taken from them. Um, sorry, can you hear me all right? No. no. Not really, but just <laughs> carry on. Um, 
we've taken the most points. <laughs> this is a good way to start, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we've taken 13 points from the last five seasons, which is more than any other side. Is it? Uh, yeah. Um, 13 points we've taken off them. Yeah. Despite losing every single away game. Yeah, well, we've beaten them three times at home, haven't we? At least so that's seven. nine. One, ten. I don't know, maybe we've beaten them four times. I'm not sure. We're but we definitely have. We're defi- we definitely have. So, All right, fair enough. Um, but yeah, Google doesn't lie, does it, Wallace? <laughs> Sky, Sky Sports, actually. So, um, so uh, yeah, why not? I mean, we've got to believe that we can go and win games that are in, against teams in the, in the bottom half of the Premier League. And Chelsea, despite, I think, the, is it nine games they've gone and beaten now? But they've in, in the, the league, it's 13. Yeah, so. but, but they've, uh, they've drawn quite a lot of them. So, you know, the worst teams than us have gone to Stamford Bridge and, and beaten them. So. Sorry about the sound. We've no idea what's going on in the radio <laughs> or the studio here. Uh, regarding the sound quality, uh, should we just should we just ring in? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was waiting all right, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, Mick and uh, Mark sounded better. Hello. <laughs> Is that working? I've turned it off, man. There, there you go. go. Hello. Right, Bolanda. I kind of agree with. Sorry. Don't do that well. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the levels of professionals. Yeah. Anyway, so Bolland thinks we've got a chance. If I put to you, Sai, that Newcastle United are the worst away team in the country, how do you think that steads us for tomorrow? <laughs> well, you, you don't need to tell me that. I'm well aware of our away shoddiness, um, almost as shoddy as the sound quality here. But uh, <laughs> uh, do I think we've got a chance? You just don't this. Gus Hiddings obviously sorted Chelsea out if we'd played them in the first half of the season you would have fancied us even in our terrible form you'd still fancy us because of how bad Chelsea were um, but but they kind of they, they sort themselves out and I don't have they lost a game under Hiddink not in any competition no, no. So, drawn a lot he's only won three Premier League games out of nine yeah, and I, think, I think he's won as many games as we have in yeah. his time at Chelsea which doesn't bode well, but then all the ones we've lost, he's obviously yeah. I mean, to points. For the last six weeks, I've been talking about how Steve McLaren is just incapable of setting up a team away from home to win a match. I don't see why that's going to be any different tomorrow, if I'm honest. Um, I know it sounds sounds negative after a decent performance against West Brom, but Chelsea aren't West Brom. It's, you know, if we can do it against one of the worst teams I've seen in several years. Until until I'm shocked by a performance by Newcastle, I just I can't really see it, it turn out well. What do you make today, Ben, of um, McLaren's pre-match press conference comments? What? It was like, <laughs> gonna I'm going to tell, tell you what the, the other comments are. were. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Ben's looking at me blank there, so I don't have a clue what he said. Um, yeah, he basically said that we're going to go, we're going to attack them, we'll owe the away fans a performance, we'll owe them some goals. To be honest, that is, he's saying all the right things and very bold thing to say. I think the last time we tried to attack uh, an away team um, was Crystal Palace, we conceded five. I was so, going to say City, yeah. we did a similar thing. Yeah, City, shipped, had a right go. Chip plenty. Despite the linesmen killing were there, but yeah, it doesn't excuse <laughs> the second half. But then uh, I know they're a good team, Chelsea, but they don't have an Aguero. And also, I, I just feel like their big players last season have been absolutely shocking this season. Uh, Hazard has shot him. I don't think he scored a goal this season, has he? Yeah. Has not, not in the um, league. Fabregas has. Looked awful. Matlitz just doesn't doesn't pr- provide any protection. Well, it's anymore. like Mark said. There's Chelsea of a proven record of mm-hmm. making players worse. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it, it's not really Chelsea. I, I don't see where it's Chelsea's fault. I think it's just the players have taken off the ball a bit. I mean, he, 
you're sort of alluding to something going on pre-season there. Um, obviously, don't know exactly what that is, but there's been sort of ramblings that um, there was a bit of uh, sort of disagreement between some of the, the players uh, and Mourinho um, sort of at the start of the season. And just the way they obviously started the the start the Swansea game, um, something. Funny, it? Is, is it? There's been rambling. <laughs> rambling. There's been rambling. Rumblings, rambling's, same thing. But no, I think um, yeah, it's just that their, their big players have, have looked poor, and the fact I think that um, Terry was dropped at the start of the season, and then he's been brought back in, um, and. People are going on as if he's he's had a brilliant season. People he's are going on as, he, as if he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just I, I just think the, I think the fact that he's still getting a game just shows that Chelsea are on on the powerhouse that they should be. I mean, Gary Cahill, obviously an England national, has has been that bad that he's been replaced by John Terry, Kuma, uh, Kurt Zuma, sorry, um, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, <Chicken> Zuma. <laughs> Kurt Zuma, Kurt um, Zuma. Obviously, before his injury, he's he's looked a bit bit um, bit of a liability in a few games. Whereas, sort of last season, he was looking like a real good prospect um, that could come into the team and and sort of hold down and replace Terry almost with with Cahill. I thought that would have been the, the defense that would have gone with um, Ivanovic. Obviously, I think I don't think he's recovered from that um, hiding he got at the start of the season. Um, and even Aspilicueta is, is just completely gone under the radar. He doesn't really offer anything. I just think man for man over the squad, they're, they're really poor. Willian um, has probably been the one bright spark for them. I think this season he's sort of take, seems to have taken on a lot of the um, a lot of the brunt of the, the the sort of good work they've done, um, scoring some key goals and and sort of kept kept them uh, in a lot of games. But it, it, you can't rely on a one man team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that our chances are dependent on or are so poor because Chelsea are such a good team. They're just they're just not as bad as us. And against Steve McLaren's Newcastle away from home, you just have to be not as bad as Newcastle to to win quite quite comfortably. Um, and I just can't see that changing. Yeah, I think um, you both make some good points, Ben. Predicting the future because I've asked you, Chelsea don't have a Sergio Guerrero. No. I'm going to run through their entire squad <laughs> back to front. So I'll go back to what's going to. We'll, How's that going in the future there? Well, because I was, we're going to talk about Chelsea after this and all the problems in the squad. Oh, well. But I was. So my, my question was going to be <laughs> after that is one of Chelsea's biggest problems has been cons- conceding goals. They've actually conceded more goals at home than any other team in the Premier League. Can you believe it? Chelsea, Southampton, Southampton, and Liverpool. And someone else, you're Everton. Just, you're just naming it. Name have all here. scored three goals at Stamford Bridge this season. Mm-hmm. In like, I know Mourinho's only been here, but there was some stat like in all of Mourinho's other home games for Chelsea over 100 games, they'd never conceded three goals. It's <laughs> it's three I've, times I've, this season. I've got another stat for you. Newcastle have scored six goals away from home this season. Seven. Six. Seven. In the league. Would you like to count them? <laughs> Go ahead. Be nice. my guest. So. Riveting stuff here. Man City away was my first goal. How do you always end up with a quiz on this radio show? <laughs> That's next week. Palace away. One. Two. Man City, Palace. Oh, sorry, you're counting white. I'm counting. So Man City away, Palace away is two. Any others, lads? Bournemouth. Bournemouth, three. Spurs, five. Um, Watford, six. Must be one more. 
That's Dodzy wrong. And that's it. I'm not wrong. Anyway, what were you going to ask Dodzy while you look that up? Um, I was no, so I was going to say, do you think this is something be, you know that Newcastle? Uh, sorry, I was going to say, do you think this is why McLaren has chosen this game to say, right, we're going to go and have a right old go? Or do you think that he's just he's got he's got nothing else to say because he's had so much patter about us playing away from home? We've been terrible every time. He's it's, run out of excuses. It's, it's a bit of both, but I think you've got to look at teams. I mean, when when teams are down. Um, down in the dumps. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of teams who will have come to Newcastle this season thinking this is a game we're really going to go have a go at because we've been so poor. I think you look at how Chelsea are. I mean, their confidence is shot. Um, as I say, the, 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 I mean, the fact that Mikel's getting still getting in that team is an absolute joke. Um, and I just think that it's it's a team there definitely for for the taking. I mean, we went there last season. Uh, sorry, a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, Cisse's, um double. Was absolutely brilliant. So I was there. Well, a few seasons. Five years ago. Five years ago. But but oh, we've we've, ago, we've we've been we've been been there and, and got results. Is my point um, against better teams in this one. So I, I think it's an opportunity there for them to go in. Um, and and what have we got to lose? We've, we've been absolutely shambolic away from home all season. So why not? It's not been working. Trying to play a different type of football. Uh, you can't say we, we turned up at Everton and had a go at them. We're, we're, no, we didn't. We let them. We let them do no, whatever they wanted. I don't first. think anyone said that. Either. No, no, but but obviously he's this. I think this is one where he's if he's um, if if we're going to have any chance, like yeah, go and have a have a crack because it's it's not been working. Uh, trying it the other way that he's he's been going approaching games beforehand. We just need to play football on their half side. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, you're right. It's nice that he's come out and said something about attacking football for once. Um, if, if he's actually going to do that, you wonder why he's actually announced it publicly. But um, you kind of Chelsea are slow; they're really slow. I think, other than as you mentioned in your match pre- preview, other than William, they don't have anyone really with any threatening pace. And that's the same as the defense; they've got really slow defense. So we should be hitting them with Townsend, Perez, Sissoko, <laughs> Genie. They should yeah, all be in the same you team. Where you Perez though? Because you don't want to put Perez up front by himself again after the Everton disgrace. Well, I happily would do if um, if we're going to have all the, all four of those players that's gunning at them. Mental. <laughs> Because he was just so bad, like <laughs> he just—he's he, just not—he's—he's he, he's not disciplined enough tactically. He goes looking for the ball, like I said on well, the on the podcast. After he was making tackles in the fullback position, I don't think you'll see Diego Costa at left back tomorrow. Yeah, you can't <laughs> think. Think can't. back to the City of Manx Stadium last last season in the League Cup. Adam Armstrong, Perez up front, <laughs> loads of pace, and absolutely destroyed them. That's the only way we're going to get something out of this game. I don't so, think you can't drop Mitrovic after he's no. finally scored as well. Yeah, it'd be so harsh. Plus. You just you do want to see Mitrovic come up against Costa. <laughs> who will get sent off first? <laughs> Bolland, I think you you quite well know the question I'm going to ask you now. So who would you play left back? Jack Colback or Lascelles? Uh, neither. <laughs> <laughs> I, you've got to go with Orlando Aaron's, and if we're going to go and attack, um, then then we've got to go got to go with Aaron's. Um, as we've just touched upon, their defence is very slow, and if we're going to get Townsend running at them, what what better sort of foil for him than having Aaron's overlapping as well? Like we could cause them. Ivanovic is a very, very slow old man now. And if he plays, <laughs> if he plays at right back, he's going to be terrified at how direct Aaron's and Townsend can be. I'm looking forward um, to Newcastle United. Sorry, Chelsea two, Newcastle nil. Terry 37, Ivanovic 67. <laughs> <laughs> the two players were slagging off. Um, and you know, Colback's just coming back from injury. Um, from every time I've seen him play left back, he's not very good at it. From all accounts I've heard from Mackams, I've seen him play left back. He's Dreadful, Alex. Uh, more, more than them later. <laughs> um, and then I wouldn't go anywhere near the cells at left back either. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. That question, ridiculous. <laughs> do, do you want to put a 4D case for the cells, Doug? Was this a joke, Ben? 
was, was it? Because obviously he, he knew I was going to ask him. Listen now, now, now he's backing himself. down on it. Do you want to put forty k's for why that joke's funny, Dogger? Bolin laughs. Sympathy. Yeah. So fair enough. Aaron's at left. I I think he will go with Aaron's at left, but I don't think he'll change the team. See, yeah. on, on the podcast, you sort of disagreed with me when I said Aaron should play left back, and you thought Colback should. You, you didn't. I oh, backed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I agree. Well, you didn't did. say Ben there. Dodds, Dodds <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I, thought said use. I thought you said no. use all. You, you well, said, I'm, I'm not saying that that's what he should do, I'm saying that's what he will do. I think you, I think, I think you said that he should play Colback and Dummett ahead of Aaron's. Yeah, I would. Yeah, no, I would. I'd have to continue to say that, but I'm saying he, he won't. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, because why, he won't. Why he won't. would you play Colback? Because Aaron's can't defend, and we were at for all for all Orlando Aaron's was superb uh, against West Brom. He played against two central midfielders, Craig Gardner in his pocket. Yeah, exactly, Craig, Craig Gardner in his pocket. That's, it's really hard to judge how much progress we made against West Brom because West Brom were just so bad. West Brom were as bad as we were at Everton, and Everton beat us three 0 and should have got more, albeit two pens. Um, but Kone did his best to keep the score down. Yeah, Kone, fair play to that lad. But yeah, I'd play. I just and I think if you, if you're going to have a chance of going and winning at Chelsea, the way that Newcastle play, I think we we'll probably need to. And the fact that we can't score a side correctly, said six away goals this season, um, you, we're going to have to keep a clean sheet. Well, Andrew Aaron's is not is not the key to that success. Um, that's why I'd play Colback or you know Dummett. That's like the only time I ever played Dummett <laughs> in any football match ever. Um, but obviously the the other thing, Sai, if I come to you for this one. You just put your clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, this is like Newcastle's last game for almost three weeks? I think it's seventeen days. Uh, do you think that that will have an impact on the result? Do you think that the manager will be able to say, "Listen, lads, just go out and f- fly into them," or do you think it makes no difference because they go to Spain for all the holders and they don't want to get injured? I don't know. Are you giving McLaren too much credit there, just for yeah. having the, 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 the foresight to do such a thing? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it really will be all guns blazing. Hopefully, we'll see twenty minutes at the start of the game, as we'll have done against West Brom, we did against West Ham a few weeks back, um, where we really just go and attack and, and try and score some goals. Because if we can get an early goal away from home against the Chelsea team, who are by no means at their best, they're just kind of getting back to grinding out results. If we can get ahead, and then Stephen Taylor can put in another decent performance as he did. And, um, Aye, because we've because we've the, the games that we've led this season have really gone on to uh, sort of convincingly win those games. We've been under the cosh for the last twenty minutes, man. <laughs> okay, well let's not bother taking the lead then. Let's <laughs> yeah. just <laughs> no, but my point is we're going to have to go and score more than one goal. We're going to have to score a few, I reckon. Uh, what was the score at Bournemouth? And Bournemouth absolutely battered with, and they weren't if a very we play good like team. We did at Bournemouth will lose uh, heavily. So we've kind of gone through um, most of the game there. We've had um, some tweets in from uh, Lord Spiceman, good friend of the show, at Toon Quadruple Seven. Cheers. His favourite uh, Chelsea moment was probably your side, the two CSA window strikes. Yeah. It's, it's unfair to distinguish between the two goals. The whole event of that match was just was just incredible. As I've said before, I watched it in Westmore Social Club, and there was blokes hugging each other. <laughs> After to say second goal like old blokes <laughs> um, and he, Spiceman's correct when he says that uh, your your 13 points probably does include that win but I didn't know we are going back to That's, like it's within the last five years yeah. Newcastle being good days yeah. um, I suppose really now we're, we could have a talk about the how, how we stand relegation wise because it's a massive weekend I mean 
I think Newcastle will get beat. Uh, we've got a, another iTunes review. Thanks very much to whoever posted that. Only four stars, but you know, I'll take a four star review. Uh, who basically took a star of us for being negative. <laughs> really? Yeah. So he said, the presenter said on the way back from him, we'll try and be more positive. We've tried, but yeah. there's only so much positivity you can uh, squeeze out of Newcastle. I very positive given the ratio of wins to, to radio Listen, shows. Listen, just, just doing the radio show and podcast is positivity. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bolland, what do you think will happen from this the, this set of fixtures this weekend? Norwich play West Ham at home. The Markhams play Man United. Vile play Liverpool at home, and that's that's really it's one of you know it, it's three of us four. So how do you see those fixtures going? Yeah, I've, the one that I kind of worry about a bit is Norwich. I think Norwich are, can have seen in the past that they can put out like a battling performance. Um, West Ham, we saw when they came to us, Poor. yeah, weren't brilliant, and I think that's that's the that's the one that I think like out of those three sides they could pick up a win, Norwich. Uh, I don't see the Magnums getting... Put us in the relegation zone for the best part of three yeah. weeks. Sorry, I should... Sorry, to be more optimistic, yeah, they'll all lose and we'll win. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Norwich is the, are the ones to watch. Make it five stars, thanks. <laughs> um, they're the ones to watch. I think the Magnums will get beat by uh, Man United and they'll all think that they played fantastic despite only having one shot on target. Yeah, um, later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And I think Villa is probably just a bit of a write-off because Liverpool are capable of scoring goals and Aston Villa aren't. So Getting some players back on there as well, Liverpool, Coutinho and that. And yeah. have got the same layoff that we do in like two and a half weeks. No, no, game. no, they play um, next weekend. Really? Yeah. We only have, we should have been playing Man City next weekend but they're uh, in the cup final and then it's FA Cup after that. So yeah, I think yeah, Norwich are the ones to watch. Holland can see Norwich picking up points. Um, I don't know. I think I, like, I agree with you that West West Ham was so bad against us. We will have to give Newcastle some credit. One of these days, we can't just be like, no, they were terrible. They were terrible. They were terrible. Um, West Ham have been doing very well, but you, you you do think if you're Norwich in that situation, you um you need to get some points. Yeah. If you've lost six in a row, which they have. You need to get something off West Ham at home. Home game, three o'clock. Not a lose. Go on, lads. Give it everything. You should. You should be getting at least a point. Would a point put us back in the relegation zone? A point against. If Norwich picked up a point. <laughs> yeah, on goal difference. Yeah, so point. A point puts us back. Doesn't in. matter who it's against. <laughs> <laughs> Who's it against? <laughs> Understand. Is it I don't understand. Will a point know. put them back up? And it's a point against. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Who's it against? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Ben's just putting his bets on. <laughs> the French I, 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 was, I was listening, I promise. Um, yeah, the Villa people, or Vile, sorry, people are starting to give them a chance. I mean, they've picked up eight points in the last five games, which if they continued at that ratio for the rest of the season, they'll end up on 37 points. Um, I mean, Norwich have the chance to relegate them because if Norwich had beat them last weekend, there would have been 13 points adrift with 13, 12 games to go, which obviously they're not going to make up. As it happens, they're seven points adrift against the Liverpool side, who are extremely flaky and pretty much in free fall. I know they've got the Carlin Cup final, but they're, they're not going to get in the top four. They're not even going to get in the top six, really. Um, side, do you see Vile getting anything against Liverpool? Um, well, just after watching them hoy away. A two-goal lead against the Magnums last week. Anything's possible. Liverpool. They're not. They're not very good at the minute, are they? They're, they're a very beatable team. Even you know, a resurgent. Well, resurgence is a strong word. 
a slightly better for them. For for them, it's for certain. A slightly better vial, and uh, I'm I'm kind of um, I'm torn between the desire for the fixture in May to be the the day we relegate them, or would you rather they were just relegated already? I would I would if you give me the choice between the two, I'd relegate them now. But if we had the chance on a beautiful sunny day to go and put right the wrongs (laughs) of seven years ago, uh, I might die. From like alcoholism and happiness <laughs> that day, but it would be worth it to send those uh, people down to the championship. Probably never to return as well. Um, that's you see, that's the thing about Ashley. He's desperate not to lose any money. Villa's chairman just like now nah, we're not signing anyone. <laughs> well, we need to sign some players. That's not not putting money in. Well, we'll go down. He's gonna lose more money now. Nah, not doing it. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, a perilous one. I mean, I just hope all I want this weekend is, is for us to stay outside of the relegation zone. I think yeah. that's absolutely crucial. You don't want to spend three weeks just sat looking at that table, do you? Yeah, and it's it also puts a huge amount of pressure. The ne- the games that follow that, what are they? Oh, I'm just moving away from NUFC.com. Bournemouth next. Bournemouth, we've got Stoke away. Potential TF weekly pod <laughs> trip. Uh, Stoke away, Bournemouth at home, Leicester away, Markham's at, at home, like... You know, you've got to be picking up four points in those three games, then minimum, and preferably against the Magnums and Bournemouth as well. Um, worrying times if we're in the relegation zone, put a lot of pressure on that, on those games. And knowing Newcastle, someone will get injured in Spain, playing Lille Strom, Sissoko, or someone like that. Um, ben, good news. Rivier's back for tomorrow. Thank God. <laughs> uh, someone to hold the, uh, the water bottles. Like a new sign in. Well, yeah. Um, after so next weekend, you then have West Ham. So West Ham are playing a massive role in our <laughs> well-being because we're not playing next weekend. That's going to be brutal as well. No football when there's loads of football on. I hate, I hate, I hate Man City as well. Anyway, Sunderland at West Ham, Violet Stoke, and Norwich at Leicester. Hard games. Who do the Magnums have again? West Ham. West Ham away. Villa, Ma- they're on, Stoke. They're on telly two weeks in a row at 12.45. The Magnums stinking out everyone's front rooms wherever yeah. they watch the match. Getting a good look there, Si. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't see Sunderland getting anything going down to West Ham. West Ham at home will be a much... Should we, should we talk about this? Talk about what? Sunderland. What in particular? About well, nothing, nothing about any legal case going on, obviously. We wouldn't talk about that, but I mean... If you look at last weekend, a player scored for Sunderland who's pleaded guilty to quite a serious charge. Sunderland have sacked him because he pled guilty, so you're presuming with the best intentions that he just totally lied to the club. Though the club suspended him suspended him when allegations first came about, suspended him, wouldn't let him play, and then brought him back. Does anyone want to try and explain that one? Or should we should we leave that for good listeners of the show at Sunderland Football Club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we welcome a phone call right now. Get yourselves on. Um, I don't know. Is this, I don't know if this is the right forum. We, we, we need a, we'll just leave it here. We need a post-Watershed show on Monday <laughs> on the podcast. Right, okay. I think so, uh, one thing I will say. So I I work in Sunderland and, and this has been one of the best weeks of my life, seeing <laughs> seeing them crumble before my eyes. Um, but they're proud of the club. 
fantastic, <laughs> uh, you know, the club, oh, God, you know, well done, Sunderland FC, you yeah. know, done really well. Probably be a Sunderland fan. One thing that I think only dawned on them the last couple of days was when I pointed out that they're going to have to edit their DVDs now and then they can watch their famous 2-0 victories because <laughs> watching their 3-0 victories is sort of going to be tainted for them now. Um, uh, people listening from Sunderland, because we we know there are loads of you, um, we'll get geographical stats of where people listen. We'll, we'll have nearly as many listeners in Sunderland as we do Newcastle. Um, ready to go, is that what it's called? Yeah. People ready to go yeah, forum. Yeah. Um, just some, I, I bookmarked the thread that they made about us, and there's just some hilarious comments on there. I think my favourite comment, just to give a shout out though, let's find it to the poster. Oh, I've, I have, I've managed to miss out his name. Or some random guy says, if slash when, there will be a not guilty verdict. Oh, I think you've cocked that one up, some random guy. I think you'll probably want to check the news on that one. Nice uh, support, though, for for the player in question and his crimes. Um, that basically the High Court would be in touch with us. Still waiting for that call. <laughs> Still waiting for the high, whatever the High Court <laughs> the high court is. It's like something off uh, Game of Thrones. Or yeah, it is. <laughs> Going to be summoned. Must be a fan. Do you think what what would be worse? What would be worse? <laughs> Just five blocks around the old Roker Park. <laughs> <laughs> One of them trying to get a Wi-Fi connection. Be fuzz on that stupid message board. Enough about some. That's the high court. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about some, and we'll talk about them on one day show. Um, but again, obviously, welcome to Sunderland Football Club, long-time listeners of the show. Uh, shall we talk about the title race? Uh, yes. We're not involved. Go in on the title then. Race. <laughs> Oh no, it's just more exciting than talking about Newcastle. Like, who's going to win? Well, the there league? is there is the big race this season. I was when I was doing some research uh, for my match preview on True Faith, um, which you can catch before Chelsea game. Bit of a rush job this week. So I've been busy, but um, I looked at attendance percentages. Who fills the stadium? Their stadium the most, and it's it's really close at the bottom. Sunderland and Vile are two favourite clubs for the emptiest stadiums going <laughs> in terms of capacity filled. So I think Vile are down there in eighty one. Sunderland on like 83.5, so who knows who will take that crown <laughs> at the end of the season. But uh, at, the other, at the other end, size si Leicester with 100% seats uh, filled for the whole season. Can you say why, Sorry. <laughs> even for the first game of the season? Yes, when they smashed Sunderland. Yeah. That's impressive, though. Even like considering they were relegation candidates, even at the start of this season. That's what's so bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I, I love that, that, that Leicester are possibly going to win the league, and if they can beat Arsenal this weekend... that. You'd, you'd put, make them favourites, wouldn't you? You'd actually say. I don't, I don't want them to win the league. Oh, well, we'll come on to you in a minute. Yeah, Bolland, we've been through this, haven't we? We'll, we'll um, go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, the obvious thing for a Newcastle fan is that it just completely puts to rest Lee Charnley's nonsense about the, the inability to compete. This all oh, we can't compete with, with anyone because Leicester are one of the, the lowest spenders in the league. Yeah, the, 19 were, million quid their starting lineup cost against City, but. That doesn't mean they've only spent 90 million quid. Most of yeah. Leicester's big money signings have been a farce. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> they're, ter- they're terrible at spending money, but... But, I mean, obviously, the relegation battle last season, they just got a new manager. <laughs> at no point would they have been sitting there going, right, I think we're going to win the league this season, um, so let, let's let's just like let's just go for it. All they've done is they've come out and they've just tried to win as many games, like like a normal football club, try to win as many games, get as many points as they can, early doors, and they've just they've started on a flyer and they've just kept it going. Which, where, in, in stark contrast, Lee Charnley just thinks that you kind of have to aim for a, like a, a level of points, like aim for fifty points, say, 
and then if you can get close to that, that's a successful season. Whereas Leicester have just gone, you know what, let's just keep winning, let's just keep winning. And now they're, they're going to get absolutely everything they deserve, hopefully, and, and win the league. And then put to, put to bed the idea that no one else can do it. It's, I think it's brilliant. It's amazing how far um, a, a bit of hard work can get you as well, isn't it? I mean, you look at Leicester, they've they've not really got any particular stars in their, their squad. Obviously, Vardy Mahrez have become them through this, this run this season. Um, and possibly even the likes of Schmeichel and people like that, but um, yeah, but it's it's just they've they've got <laughs> real hard workers that they'll put everything on the line for the team. Um, and you look at the teams that are down at the bottom of the league, and it's just full of, of mercenaries that don't really care about the teams uh, that they're playing for. Um, I mean, you look at some we we were laughing some of the signings that Liverpool, uh, sorry Sunderland made, the likes of Kabul and Quatlez and people like that. They're not gonna work the the backsides off for the for the team or they're not gonna do the running, do the hard hard yards or anything like that. Um and it's just it's refreshing to see people actually working hard and, and getting rewards for for sort of making it difficult. I mean they were brilliant against Man City the other week and you look at all the money Man City have spent this even this season. Thirty two million pounds for Otamendi. Otamendi, De Bruyne, um Sterling and they, they got and they got there, and they got played off the park um, by people who just wanted it more, and it's uh, that's why I think I'd, I'd like to see Leicester because it just they've they've got a good core of um, English players in the team, and they're they're doing they're, they're clearly doing it for the for the supporters. They obviously um, had I was listening to a thing the other day about Leicester, and the the owners are, are quite um, sort of generous with the, the fans as well. The offer, I mean, things that they don't have to do. I mean, it's not massive. Uh, gestures, but it's just little small things that you know what they did, which is weird. They've spent a quarter of a million pounds this season on clubbers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's mental stuff, but it, at least they're they're doing things like that. That it's going. Where's my clubbers? But you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's like a football club. Yeah, the they're trying. They're try, they're, that's obviously something to try and and sort of give some like en- enhance the the match day experience. For so me, I don't. I, I don't. Wouldn't criticize a couple of points that. about Leicester as a club in this season. Number one, I'm not for against here. We'll hear Bollins against Douglas. Number one, it's not that much of a fairy tale because Leicester broke every single rule in the Football League financial fair play rulebook to come up to get there. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's nothing to do with this this team this season. Obviously, they, they wouldn't be here if they hadn't done yeah. that. I was, no, no, it's nothing to do with the players or anything or the, yeah. or the fans. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying they don't deserve, deserve to win the league because I'm just saying that like they, they do, they've done a lot of things right. They did that wrong. That was wrong. Yeah, yeah. But never mind that. Um, Massive, oh, massive shout out to Paddy Power. We don't normally name drop um, people here, companies like that, but Paddy Power have a ridiculous tweet doing the rounds from when the Leicester City board took over when they were like 18th in the championship, saying within five years Leicester City will be a top four Premier League club, trying to rinse them. Well done, Paddy Power. You have been made to look stupid. And <laughs> um, finally, I think this, I'm going to let Bolland have a say, but I think everything, everything, has come together for Leicester this season. Everything, obviously, the lack of fixtures compared to the title rivals. I mean, we've had no fixtures either, but yeah. obviously we're rubbish. The lack of fixtures, the lack of injuries to, to key players has been monumental. If you look at Aguero has been out constantly, Ozil's missed games, uh, Cazola and Sanchez have missed loads of games. Uh, Rooney's been terrible for Man United, not that they're really a challenger. Um, Liverpool have had endless injuries. I mean, that's not Leicester's fault, that other clubs, that, you know, it's their own good fortune. So I, I think it, while it's fantastic, the stars really have a line for them because I'm also looking at their first 14 games in the Premier League and of their first 14 games, the only top five team, top 
yeah, top five team, you know, in terms of the traditional top five with Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City in the first 40 games was Arsenal at home. So the first, I mean, you play everyone across the season, and if they win the league, they'll do it as early. So, but that, you know, in terms of there being a confident side with pace and working for each other, what a start that is. That, that's like, you can't, you couldn't dream of a better fixture yeah. list. And the lost Arsenal 5 2 at home. And obviously, you have to play those teams sometime, but. This is going back over Mickey and size. Not not so much debate last week, isn't it? Oh yeah, the fiction yeah. list, yeah, which, do, do, which do didn't got happen. Some facts to back up his argument, but he's making the same point that I was. <laughs> I didn't need facts. Bolland, tell us why you are more of a mood killer than Scrooge. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess it's slightly born out of jealousy in a way. Um, if Newcastle wasn't even a slightly competently ran club for the last five years, we could be in Leicester's position right now. We've already won the league by now. Yeah, um, that's that's largely largely it. And, and I like when you say it out loud, when you say out loud, like Leicester City Premier League champions, and where not? Like it just, be. it's just <laughs> yeah, it's not cool to me. Um, <laughs> I just don't like that. I just hate the, hate the thought of like Leicester having something over us like that. I mean, they're just really like. They're just a little club in the middle of nowhere. But isn't isn't that what makes it good? Isn't that positive for the Premier League that a little club in the middle of nowhere who as little as four years ago were getting ten thousand empty seats? There is hope for Sunderland fans. Uh, no, because I'm I'm going to be jealous and miserable about this. I wish it was us. It should be us. Uh, more to the point. Uh, the other thing is what I've got a bit of an issue with is Jamie Vardy specifically. So don't like parties. No, I don't like his party. So <laughs> what, I'm pretty Did sure not let you in. <laughs> something like that. Uh, so Jamie Jamie Vardy is getting a lot of praise, and everyone's going a little bit wild about Jamie Vardy's having a party and all this sort of thing. Um, at the start of the season, there was a video released of him on YouTube. You can check it out. Uh, being very unpleasant to a man of different ethnic origin. And everyone's going wild about this guy, but Luis Suarez, oh, he did it on a football pitch, was a much better footballer and didn't get any near the amount of same level of praise as Jamie Vardy's getting. And I just think that's just a bit like, it's a bit typical of the British media. Like, Does anyone have that? I'm not having that at all. I'm not sure about that. Like, yeah, like, Suarez was Everyone loved Suarez. You got a £60 million move and a £200,000 a week contract at the end of it. <laughs> I think your point's valid, but in, in, in a different way. I think that I think Leicester City are on dangerous ground because obviously they sacked Nigel Pearson's son for team. being filmed uh, in well, in a, not not a very nice video, um, caught in the act with. Uh, a, a you foreign, don't need to say anymore. People know, yeah, people know what I'm talking about, and they're, they're probably quite rightly sacked him. You could say it's harsh because they're young lads, but anyone in the real world would lose their job for posting something like that. Jamie Vardy did something. It was it was still a race, racially aggra- aggravated um, incident, and he managed to keep his job. And so I agree with you on that. On one respect, as I said to uh, us before the show, until Steve Bruce has looked at the evidence, <laughs> <laughs> let's not say anything. Until that man has sat there, well, I've I've had a look at the files, you know. And for, for me, for me. It's not weird, but uh, um, until you know, like, I'm not taking anything away from Leicester. Leicester played really well. You're taking everything away from them. Leicester played played very well this season. However, I just don't want them to because can, can we talk jealous. about Suarez that didn't get enough praise. <laughs> People still talk about the Liverpool now as being the Liverpool since Suarez left. Yeah. Like he was everything to that team. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I meant by it though is sort of like the you look at the incident with like Evra, like up and down the country, people were giving him stick over it. 
and Jamie Vardy's got away with it in a way. Like yeah. chased out the country. You don't see like people kicking off about Vardy being, you know, I don't want to say racist, basically. Whereas that's what Suarez got, and it's a bit of a double standard. I think it's because he's English. And he had already bitten several people. You know, Luis Suarez didn't get any praise by the media. So you say. Did you know that in his last season, English football, he got both PFA Player and Football Writers Player of the Year? <laughs> I was going to say I thought he'd win. My words were he got he got a lot of a lot of stick. No, no, Suarez no, not, is going to get the credit he's due. You <laughs> probably don't remember him, Luis Suarez. You probably don't even. He did get a lot. He did get a lot of stick. Yeah, rightly so. When he's thirty-six, my point was that Suarez, Suarez got. I'm, I'm going to dig out here again. Suarez got a lot of stick because uh, Suarez got a lot of stick because he like went on to deny any wrongdoing, even though he and, and then it was cultural differences and like you no, know, you used the the color of someone's skin to belittle him, whether that, whether that was cultural or not, and he refused to say sorry, and he refused to shake Everett's hand. There's a difference between that and whether rightly or wrongly Jamie Vardy and Jamie Vardy Jamie Vardy and Leicester, Leicester City um you know doing doing the right PR stuff, releasing a public apology, contacting the person. It's still wrong, I agree with you, but I think Luis Suarez is a really bad argument. <laughs> for well, the reasons of all I did did preface it all with this is based on basically me being just a little bit jealous of Leicester. So This has been True Faith weekly radio show live on Radio Northumberland we really appreciate everyone who has listened in live and uh, listens to the podcasted version we will be back on Monday for the podcast of Newcastle's 2-0 defeat to Chelsea um, there might be a slight mention of um, a former professional yeah, footballer we'll, called Adam Bonson we might get into to other things a little bit more on Monday uh, thanks for listening we are at TF Weekly Paul on Twitter please follow us follow us on SoundCloud if it still exists because it looks like it's got a business and uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who listens and thanks to you, lads. Thank, Thank you. you. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.